Podcast. I'm your host, Chase Clements. This show is devoted entirely to bringing some humanity back to the world of customer support. Find us on the web, we're supportops.co, and then on Twitter, if that's your thing, we're at supportops. This is episode number 11, and on today's show with me is Chase Livingston again. He's our podcast producer and my co-host for this one. So Chase, how goes it? Going pretty well. Been a little busy, but uh, things are going well in the world of support. Very cool. It's it's a lot better to be busy than just, you know, twiddling your thumbs, I guess. Yeah, exactly. At least the time passes a little more quickly, so it's good. Yeah, so after listening, uh, well, after seeing some of the comments and, and emails from our last show where we tried out the new kind of news article looking at commentary, whatever you want to call it kind of thing, um, listeners seem to like it. So we're going to take another sw- uh, swing at it and do it again this week. Um, and then we've got some great interviews lined up coming up, too. So if the uh, news thing is not your thing, that's fine. We're going to get back to interviews. It'll be good. Um, so let's just dive right in. I guess the uh, the biggest news in the past week or two has been uh, this huge uproar about uh, Yahoo CEO Marissa Mayer and her decision to cut off remote working uh, for their employees. And it, the numbers vary, but I've seen like two or 300 people basically you're going to be affected by this. So not a huge percentage of people, um, but it was definitely one of those that kind of come down and sparked a debate about, well, is, is remote working okay? Can you work from home and still be productive? Do you have to have people in one building and, and that kind of thing? Um, so the article that I put in is actually one of the first ones, uh, the article that I put in the show notes is one of the first ones I saw. They uh, they give us the the actual memo that went out, uh, which was really interesting because it, and just kind of reading through it here, to become the absolute best place to work, communication and collaboration will be important. So we need to be working side by side. That's why it is critical that we are all present in our offices. Some of the best decisions and insights come from hallway and cafeteria discussions, meeting new people and impromptu team meetings. We need to be one Yahoo. And that starts with physically being together. Um, and then kind of goes on a little bit more. Um, but you know, that's just, I work from the house and and work from coffee shops and work from my wife's studio and, and I feel pretty productive. Uh, you know, Chase, do they, uh, you're, you're, you're remote work, right? I am. Yeah. The majority of our company is, uh, is remote. So, uh, I'm kind of, uh, upset that not really upset. I mean, you know, it's Yahoo, they can do what they want, but it, it is kind of sad that they feel that they have to do that in order to be more productive. Yeah, you know, and it's from there, it kind of just blew up. I don't know if Marissa Mayer knew that this was going to happen when she put this out. Um, and you, sh- I, I, she's a smart lady, obviously. You don't get to be a CEO by not being smart. So she's, she's I'm given the benefit of the doubt here. And if that's what it takes to, to write the ship of, of Yahoo, uh, that's, that's fine. It's just kind of all the other commentary that's come out along with remote working. It seems to be you're either uh, big fans of it. You love it. It's the greatest thing in the world, or you absolutely despise it. You're nothing. uh, You think that everyone who works from home is just laying around in bed. And and that's not really how it goes. No, it's not. Uh, And I'm excited. I actually saw your boss, uh, 37 singles is actually coming out with a book. Uh, all about remote work and I've already pre-ordered it. So I'm excited to, to, you know, hear his take because I've always been a fan of, uh, of you know, thirty-seven signals in the company and kind of their their philosophy and try to take a lot from it. So I think that'll be a, maybe a good counterpoint to this uh, situation. 
Yeah, I wish we could have got that book out a little bit earlier. It's uh, yeah, so do I. So October do I. right now. So, yeah. you know, Marissa Mayer, if you're listening to this, you kind of screwed us. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks. You could have waited just a little bit. Um, but yeah, it, it's one of those, there are 36 of us. And out of the 36, I think maybe like eight or 10 actually go into the office and work. And even then, it's not everyone's there at the same time. So, yeah, I mean, it's fine if you want to have an office that, you know, if some of you happen to be in the same area that you can go in and work to, but, uh, or work at, but, um, I don't know. I mean, I've, I've worked from home the past, kind of the past two jobs that I've done and, um, things, you know, are still getting done. It's not like I'm sitting around in my pajamas, you know, in bed all day. So, I mean, I don't know if that was a problem at Yahoo, but it seems like, uh, maybe they could have been a little more understanding with some of their, uh, flexible employees. Yeah, and, and just to be fair, they are giving some flexibility. They talk about, you know, if you've got to stay home uh, because the cable guy's going to be there, the doctor, you've got to go to the doctor, that kind of thing. That's fine. Um, but still, at the end of the day, it's like, you know, you've got these people that probably, no, I won't say probably, that that could be some of your best workers. You know, people that right. um, for whatever reason can't make it to the office. Maybe they, you know, maybe they have kids and they can't get uh, daycare for them, or maybe they uh, don't live anywhere near the office or, and that kind of thing. It's, it's a big thing to just kind of make this blanket statement, say, look, you're all coming to the office. Now, if you're across the country, you got to move. If you got kids, you got to find daycare. And, and that's just it. Yeah. I have a feeling they may lose some employees over this. So, uh, but I'm hoping some of the other companies like, like 37 signals and others that are really dedicated to uh, remote employees, maybe we'll, we'll offer them a position. Yeah. You know, that, that article, um, made mention of, of, um, WordPress, which is a, right. a popular, you know, uh, blogging kind of site. I guess it's more than blogging. I guess you could, it's more of like a content management system. I don't know. Yeah. Kind of like a CMS, but yeah. some people will argue against that, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it'd it's... be a cool company to work for no less. And they, <laughs> yeah, I did see that they offered, uh, some some of the uh, Yahoo folks, if they wanted to come on over and uh, jump ship into into automatic and, and work for them, they uh, the tables the offer was on the table, which is nice. Right. Yeah, um, the 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 WordPress founder Matt says 130 of our 150 people are outside of San Francisco, which is saying a lot. I mean, you've got you know 80 90 percent of your company not anywhere near the the home office, and, and much less you know sometimes not even in the same time zone. Right. Yeah. My home, you know, Canonical's home office is in London. So I'm uh, quite a ways away. So you're behind the curve by the time they end the day. Yeah. <laughs> yep. um, and, and, you know, this when this all came out too, NPR had a, a, a great kind of article that they put out talking about uh, another thing that, that plays into the remote work, the, the idea of the commute. You know, the average commute is more than 25 minutes one way, which is a That's, long time. I couldn't imagine. I commute from the bed to the shower to uh, my office, which is nice. And the only traffic is if you have to step over the dog, right? That's right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, before I got involved in customer sport, I worked for uh, a uh, fast casual kind of restaurant called Jason's Deli. And my commute was on a good day. We're looking at 45 minutes on a bad day. It could be two hours. Wow. And that I just sucks it out of you. I couldn't imagine. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of people, I mean, looking at in this article you have here, looking at the, map uh there are quite a few uh commuters it appears in this country so yeah i love uh if you get a chance check the show notes and look at this uh this npr they've got this great interactive map going on and you know you've got this option to kind of hover around different areas and it tells you the average commute so like you know the average commute for zip code 22032 which is over uh, on the east coast is 32.9 minutes 
um, and just kind of scrolling around. They, they jump up 43 minutes, 50 minutes. Um, San Diego, you're looking at 50 minutes. That's that's a long way to drive every day that just a, for a job. Very long way. Um, so, and, and that's one of those remote working is, is kind of the hot button issues where it's just never going to be solved. Some companies are going to do it. Some companies aren't, uh, wish the best of luck to Yahoo when it comes to this. I, if it can write a sinking ship, I, I don't know if bringing 300 people into the office is going to write the ship of Yahoo. <laughs> yeah. I think there's some, uh, deeper issues than just remote work happening there. Yeah. The, the last time I went to their homepage, the only thing that was remotely interesting was the horoscope. Well, there you go. <laughs> if that tells you anything. Exactly. Um, so, you know, let us know what you think about remote working. It's it's something that's obviously near and dear to the community supports, uh, the support community's heart, because a lot of us are remote. Uh, come up in a couple of podcasts before. Let us know what you think about it. Give us your take, that kind of thing. Um, and uh, the next article up, I'm a big gamer at heart. I don't know if you are. I'm not, unfortunately. Oh, but you I look have, like I, you would this... be a gamer. No, I'm... I used to be, but but anyway, this this <laughs> article is uh, well. We won't get into that. Reformed, this, right? Yeah, yeah, maybe so, maybe so. But uh, I, I've heard, I've heard about it at least. I haven't experienced it, but but at least I'm somewhat educated. Yeah, I was really excited about uh, hearing about the new SimCity, EA SimCity, and I remember playing SimCity when I was a kid. I absolutely loved it because um, I was kind of into those kind of games, SimCity and Ages of Empires, and and that mm. kind of thing. Um, I'm pretty sure I did play The Sims when I was younger, but uh, I think it was like the original or something like that. So you know, whenever you can get like the the adult in the house to drop a kid in the toilet, that was just the highlight <laughs> yes, of yes, my SimCity experience. Uh, yeah, that was that. Yeah, that was the the point of me playing was to try to get the people to do crazy <laughs> things, not to do anything normal. Right, build up a brick wall around their living room and just leave them there. See yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so yeah, this one from GameIndustry.biz. They're talking about SimCity Sim servers are struggling with the launch. They are uh, users unable to download games on release. They've had to wait 30-minute queues to play. And this is kind of wrapped around EA's choice to um, have SimCity require an online connection. Um, so you've mm -hmm. got to be online to play the game. And you would think that if you're going to make this requirement, and they haven't released a, a new SimCity in a while, so they knew it was going to be popular, at least have your servers ready. Yeah, I mean, didn't people pre-order? So they at least had some idea of you know what it was, what was what it was going to take. Yeah, it, so both digital and retail copies of the game seem affected, judging by user reports and the problems caused by the awkward combination of server capacity, the inability to quote preload the game before it was released, whatever that means, and the game's need for a constant internet connection. So it's like this perfect storm of things that are going wrong before we even touch on any of the customer support things. This is just all like, here's our app, here's our game, we launched it, and oh, holy crap, there's a lot of people that want it. Yeah, that's uh, tough. Sounds like somebody should have been on hand to, to handle that and spin up some new servers quickly. Yeah, they. Uh, I read another article, and I can't find it. I should have bookmarked it. But they said they were bringing a couple more servers online in the next week. Oh, wow. That sounds like a long time. That does sound like a long time. Sounds like they maybe weren't prepared uh, for the onslaught of all the uh, crazy SimCity gamers. Yeah, nowhere near. <laughs> <laughs> nowhere absolutely near. Uh, and this kind of compounded over from there, right? So now we, uh, your average user can't download the game. When they did download the game, it's a 30-minute queue to, to wait 
kind of reminiscent of, did you ever get into that mailbox app? You remember that? I did get in, but I deleted it once I got <laughs> in. It just didn't, didn't do it for me. What was the number? Like what number were you in line? Uh, I think when it was released, I was like 67,000. So I was pretty early. I had gotten in the, I'd signed up pretty early. I love that 67,000 is early. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, compared to, I think there was like 700,000 behind me. So. <laughs> um, but at least they knew that they were going to have this problem and had the queue in place and kind of went with that. I, I can totally respect them and they, they've got a great app and, and the support team is, is quickly learning um, behind it. And, you know, EA and SimCity just seems to, it's it's just this perfect storm, like I mentioned. So, yeah. you know, you've got the download happening, you've got 30 minutes to play, and now your internet can't get a connection to the ser- server. And so at the end of it, you just you just want to go, all right, I want my money back. So, all right, EA says you can have a refund. They came out and said on their, their website and on Twitter, hey, we're going to give you a refund. So inside the forum is this, uh, this chat transcript between a guy and an EA agent, customer support rep, asking for the refund. And the uh, the rep is just like, no, sorry. Uh, <laughs> I am sorry, but I cannot offer you a refund. And wow. and it kind of goes through. It's kind of funny. It's The guy says, well, why can't you offer me a refund? Your product's defective. And then the rep says, well, it's return policy. I, I can't offer you a refund. And it's this whole conversation of, I'm sorry, I can't offer you a refund. And I'm sitting there going, oh, my God, this is going to be, this is going to cost more in bad publicity than it is just to give them a refund. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Seems like that happens with bigger companies a lot, though. I mean, this this issue of you know not being prepared for for big loads, and then when people complain, not you know not communicating to your agents how to handle it, and you know whether or not they can issue refunds and that kind of thing. It seems like customer support one hundred and one. Somebody asks for the money back, just give them the money back. Yeah, easy enough. Yeah, obviously, you know, sometimes, it, and I'm going to get emails now about well, what about this or what about that. Let me clarify and say, look, there are times where something's fishy. Somebody's trying to scam you. And in those cases, it's, t- it's fine to offer, not offer a refund. I totally get that. But your average customer who comes up and says, hey, I want to try your app. I want to buy your game. I want to buy your product or, or whatever. I didn't like it. I want a refund. Just give them the money back. Yeah, that's what, uh, what I usually do. Yeah, so, you know, when, uh, when it comes to Ubuntu One, and that's a, a sub- subscription it can be. Well, can be. yeah, we have that. We have, uh, you know, a music ability to purchase music similarly to like iTunes and stuff. And, you know, sometimes there are issues with download. I mean, you know, with that many downloads happening every day, you know, thousands or maybe even millions of downloads every once in a while we'll have a glitch and somebody will just ask for their money back rather than trying to work through to fix it. And so we, you know, just give them the money back. Yeah, it's probably what, one click on your end? Yeah, basically one click. <laughs> one click, done. Yep. And it saves you from this negative publicity thing. Yeah, exactly. And try to, I mean, make the customer happy regardless. So hopefully they, uh, they will stick around and try again. Right. I would be much more inclined to, if, uh, you know, if I bought a song on iTunes or on Ubuntu one or something like that, and it didn't download right. And you give me a refund, you know, I would be much more inclined to actually try it again rather than being like, Oh, I don't know if this is actually going to work. And if I, am I just throwing money down the toilet and you know, what, what happens if it goes wrong? Yeah, exactly. So lesson of the story here, actually be prepared for your customers, which seems like a no brainer, but whatever. Um, and make sure you can do simple things like give refunds. Yeah, should be easy, but <laughs> sometimes I guess it's not. 
Oh, so we move from the world of, of that into another industry that is typically plagued by bad service, by bad experiences, and, and customers tend to just not like them at all. Uh, this one coming from CNN, and the headline reads, United Airlines delays flight for man to see dying mother. So basically, this man was trying to get to Texas, lives in San Francisco, trying to get to Texas, uh, had to have a connecting flight in Houston. Turns out his first flight was delayed, and he thought he was going to miss his connection. Um, and obviously, when you have a loved one dying, that you've you got to get there really quick. And this was the last flight into uh, Texas that he would miss. So he would literally, he would be like a day behind, which the hospital was saying wouldn't give him enough time. So this this man gets into uh, into Houston where he's going to make his connection and is running, literally running to the gate, hoping and and, and praying and crying that, you know, that somehow it would still be there. So he gets there and turns out the captain had actually held the plane for him. Yeah, that's a awesome story. Props to United Airlines for that. Right. So if we're doing wag of the finger for EA, then we're definitely doing tip of the hat. Good job for mm-hmm. United Airlines. Absolutely. Love to hear stories like that when uh, it's more about you know, people than being on schedule or, or, you know, making money or losing money, but actually worrying about the customers who are really, you know, the most important part of your company. Right. It's one of those, it's so easy to get called up into if we stay, then we're going to cause problems and, and, uh, the schedule is going to get thrown off and we're going to lose money and, and all that kind of stuff. But when it comes to things like that, you just, the, the captain made the the right call on this one. Keep the plane Absolutely. at the gate. Absolutely. Um, when I, uh, when on vacation, we actually kind of a similar story. We had to, to fly into one Houston. I want to say Dallas, maybe. Yeah, I think we flew into mm-hmm. Dallas and had a connection there. We got to the plane fine, but um, there was a family that was late, and so we waited for like fifteen or twenty minutes to uh, for them to get there and get on the plane and, and that kind of thing because it was a, a flight to Maui, and it was one of those where this is their vacation. You know, yeah. they don't want to get stranded in an airport on their vacation. Mm-hmm. So, uh, what in United in that case? It was uh, American Air. Um, it, you know, it really shocked me when I when I saw that this was United. United just sucks when it comes to <laughs> being an airline. So I've heard. Um, I, I do not recommend them at all. Usually, but definitely tip of the hat for this one. Well done, United. Yeah, good call. Next one, uh, I, I guess tip of the hat, we're back to, to wag of the finger or, or something like that. We Let's really see, need yeah, I to... Mean, uh, I think this is above wag of the finger status here. <laughs> maybe maybe shout at the uh, the idiot. Yeah, uh, <laughs> some, something like that. Hire somebody. <laughs> um, so Plymouth, Massachusetts, uh, Massachusetts woman is suing FedEx, saying that the company erroneously sent her a package containing seven pounds of marijuana. And then, as if it wasn't bad enough already... They gave her address to the intended recipient who later showed up at the door. So they misdelivered the package of marijuana and then told the drug, the, I, I'm going to say drug dealer because there's, there, who else orders seven pounds of marijuana, <laughs> uh, told the drug dealer that, hey, your package of marijuana is at this woman's house. Uh, what? Uh, I don't even, I don't know what to say to that. That's, <laughs> that's just crazy. Yeah, she uh, she thought it was a uh, she opened the package, so obviously she knew what was going on. She thought it was a birthday present for her daughter. Opened the package, seven pounds of marijuana. Calls the police, and then before the police could get there, a stranger knocks on the door and asks if if 
he has her package. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess I would probably be worried if, if I was ordering <laughs> that and it didn't get delivered to the correct place. But uh, shame on FedEx for giving the address, but shame on somebody for shipping marijuana via FedEx. I mean, <laughs> what are you thinking? That is that is definitely the, the most interesting use of FedEx that I've seen in a while. Yes, very, very much so. So it's kind of like, where do you put the, the blame at on all of this? It, you know, you could look at the, the support rep and, and the customer agent and say, hey, you shouldn't give out her address, I guess. Um, but at the same yeah, time... Yeah, I mean, even if it wasn't marijuana, I still don't think you should be giving people's addresses like that. You should, you know, send the FedEx driver back to pick up the packet and deliver it to the correct place. What a novel concept, right? <laughs> I guess. <laughs> oh, I- Ship your marijuana via UPS, apparently. <laughs> Yeah, stay away from FedEx and don't even think about using the U- the U.S. Postal Service. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> UPS or something, I guess. Oh, I just did not have any idea that FedEx was shipping drugs. That's oh. yeah. Wow. So I had to find out. Wow. They've resorted to that. <laughs> I wonder what kind of rates you get on that kind of a shipment. <laughs> I'm sure the insurance is a little high. <laughs> Oh, so yeah, uh, whatever step is above wag of the finger for the person who gave out somebody's address to a drug dealer. God, I mm. just, I can't even, don't even, I can't even wrap my head around that one. Can't nope. even. Oh. Not possible. Oh, so now that we've gotten the uh, kind of comical one out of the way, turning a little bit more uh, more back towards serious, I say serious, but this show is anything but serious. <laughs> um, more customer-oriented things anyways, customer support-oriented things. Uh, and actually, a really good article out of Asana. Um, that's how you say that, right? Asana? Yeah, I think that's right. Okay, Asana? Asana. It's got to be Asana. I think it's Asana. Oh, yeah. Got to be Asana. Um especially since I work on a team that makes Basecamp, you would think I would know how to say one of the competitors. Yeah, well, good thing. <laughs> oh, but it comes out of their blog. And yes, we do pay attention to other people's blogs because, you know, sometimes they give us good articles like this one. Um, the team there talks about how they bring together the uh, the support team and the product development team for something that they call UO, user operations. Um, and basically it's... It's getting the product team to trust the support team when it comes when the support team comes up and says, "Hey, look, we've got this this bug that really needs to get fixed because it's making lots of customers angry, or we've got this flow that doesn't really work. Can we can we rework it somehow and that kind of thing?" Um, so basically, they uh, they talk about how they of course use Asana because that's their app um, to to basically fill out these bug reports and then the product team and the support team can kind of talk back and forth and there's a nice documented trail and everyone knows exactly what's going on and it kind of helps facilitate that conversation to get those fixed, which is a really great way about doing that because if you're in support, you know it can be kind of tough when you've got this bug that's really irritating uh, to get a team to fix it, right? Yeah, exactly. I have that problem all the time, but I think a lot of companies could take a cue from this and making sure their product development team and their customer support team are very closely uh, intertwined and are able to, to pass ideas back and forth really e- easily because I think that'll, you know, in the long run, make for a much better product. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so make sure you read the uh, the articles so you can kind of see more in-depth about how Asana does this. They call it UO, user operations, which is it's just, 
it's just taking care of your customers. We don't need a new abbreviation, but whatever. <laughs> uh, how does Ubuntu do, handle that? You know, if you've got, uh, you know, a bug that isn't really like it's breaking the app, but it's causing friction with your customers, how do you handle that? Generally, the way we do that, we have, we try to keep um, a list of maybe 10 of the, the biggest, like, bugs or feature requests or whatever, you know, suggestions, whatever, um, for each um, kind of app or each area of Ubuntu one that, uh, that needs fixed. And we try to make sure that our developers, you know, that's, you know, on the top of their list, we communicate. I, well, my boss, which is kind of the, he's over customer support communicates. They have a management team meeting weekly. And so he makes sure that they're on top of those bugs and are aware of them and that kind of thing. So we honestly could probably maybe could take a, you know, even more of a cue and intertwine our, um, teams a little more closely, but for us, it seems to work pretty well. Um, you know, whether it's something that can be, sometimes it's not possible to be, for it to be fixed, you know, really, really quickly, but that's kind of how we handle it is just making sure that, you know, there's a short list basically uh, of the biggest things that we need to get fixed uh, as soon as possible. Yeah. We kind of take the same approach at 37 signals. Uh, we do company meetups uh, a couple of times a year and at those meetups, the, the support team gets together and says, you know, Hey, what's our big, our three biggest frustrations that we see from customers. Uh, and we go through and kind of basically everybody's in the, in the same room in the, uh, the theater that we have. And, and we say, look, here's how this looks from the customer's perspective. And we walk them through the customer gets stuck here, they get stuck here and this is where they get frustrated. And this is where they set their computer on fire. <laughs> and kind of seeing that uh, in action uh, really helps out, especially with the rest of the team. And, and since everyone's in one place, they can kind of go, all right, well, here's the problem. Here's how we're going to fix it. You're going to do this. You're going to do that. And we're good. So, it, you know, a lot of teams say that they talk to each other. But a lot of the problems that I that I hear, especially when I talk to other support teams, is that they just don't communicate enough. And that's the thing. You've got to communicate really clearly, you know, here's the frustration that the customer's having. Here's exactly what it looks like. And, hey, we even come up with a nifty idea about how you could fix it. So all you have to do is really just do this. Yeah. And it makes it really easy. To, great way to approach it. Um, but definitely check it out, uh, the Asana post there. and. Please don't use the phrase user operations or the abbreviation UO. That's just weird. Whoa? Yeah, how do you even... Whoa. Yeah. That's a lot. But anyway. Uh, that's that's my dig at them for being our competition. <laughs> <laughs> um, but seriously, they, they are... The support team is one of the best. I've had to talk with them a couple of times, and, and they are really good, and they've got some good ideas here um, as far as collecting this information and presenting it in a good way and then, and then talking about how, to, how it can be fixed. Um, Probably should have saved that one for the end. I need to reorder our uh, our list of articles here because that would have been a really good one to end on. Yeah. Um, but I did have one other one that we were going to kind of talk about. And if you think UO is a weird abbreviation, wait until you see this one. Um, this guy uses so many different abbreviations. I had to look them up. Oh my! Uh, like ARR. I don't know what ARR NPS. Oh what? yeah, I saw that. I don't. I didn't even look it up. I didn't take the time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyways. Um, a, uh, an article from, see, again, I can't even say the name of the site. Saster? Saster? <laughs> see? All right, that's it right there. That's what we're going with. Saster. Saster. <laughs> uh, S-A-A-S-T-R.wordpress.com. I guess I should have known when they didn't have a uh, custom URL, but that's okay. Yeah. That's okay uh, because he did bring out, uh, Jason uh, runs the site there, and he did bring out a couple of good points. Um, and the one I want to talk about is, 
when he when he talks about the customer success team, as he calls it, um, he had two big things that you have to worry that you have to focus on. Um, and they were one hire early and two no squishy goals. And I can totally get behind the second one there. You know, you want to have some concrete goals uh, in mm-hmm. place that you want your team to to go about. You know, you've got to be able to measure the re- results and, and see what's going on um, and that kind of thing. Totally can get behind that. The one that I took issue with that that was kind of interesting to to hear his side from it um, was the hire early. You know, hire before you absolutely need somebody, um, which is kind of weird. I guess. Yeah. Me. I mean, I can understand wanting to have good support, but especially if you're, you know, a tight title money and that kind of thing, trying to start a company, I feel like, you know, that might be something you can handle yourself um, until you, you actually really need that extra help. Right. It, well, with Ubuntu, were you were, were you the first one that they brought in kind of dedicated support? Yeah. Well, actually there was somebody before me, okay. um, but, but yeah, I'm basically the, the, front line so there's really only one which is me um you know handling all the the customer requests um and then passing them to whoever needs to see them if it's something that you know that actually needs a little you know work or a bug report or something like that but um so yeah i mean that shows you you know there's you know several million um users and just one of me so and you're handling it well, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I feel like I am. No nervous breakdowns so, uh, or anything no, like not that. Yet, not yet. I mean, I've only been with them for like six months, but um, <laughs> so far, so good. Yeah, you survived six months. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah. You're fine. Everything's fine. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, and we kind of pretty much in every job that that we've taken uh, that that I've been at, you know, both Thirty Seven Signals and before that at Jason's Deli, before that at a barbecue place, and before that, yada yada, and all that. It, none, none of the companies really had this kind of hire early mentality. It was kind mm. of, you know, we, we've got the, the, the staff that we need right now. Here's how many customers we have. Here's how much staff we have that we need to support those. And, uh, you know, there's this happy medium that you meet and everything's good. Um, now, you know, you do want to have, in some cases, depending on your industry, see, I have to clarify every time because otherwise I'll get emails. What about this? What about that? Um, I did do a stint at Old Navy and it's retail. And yes, we we hired a couple more people going into the holiday season. That's just what you do. Because again, when the holiday season gets there, then you're matched up again and everything's fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's always exceptions to the rule, but... Right. You know, especially when you're talking about uh, online apps and, and that service as a software uh, sales... SaaS, software as a service. Software as a service. There we go. See, it has been a week. <laughs> software as a service, that kind of model. Um, you don't really have to, to hire until it hurts, you know? Yeah, you can almost wait. I mean, and you see a lot of companies doing this, just, you know, wait until you absolutely have to. Yeah. Um, to, to bring on somebody else when the, either if you don't have anybody or, you know, if you only have one or two people when they're absolutely swamped, um, then maybe you can bring on somebody to even out the load. Right. I mean, your average uh, support rep is going to be able to handle you know, 60, 70 cases a day, mm-hmm. typically. I, I, I say that on average, you know, uh, from the people that I've talked to. Some are going to handle less, some are going to handle more, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, a good rule of thumb here is, you know, if if your support team is, like, ready to set their computer on fire at the end of the day, you probably need another person. Yeah, exactly. Or if you get to the end of the day and um, there's still another 50 emails in the queue. Yeah, that's tough. Then you definitely need to, yeah. Uh, to me, it seems like a good measure would be whether or not the person, the the person or people who are handling it right now, can can answer everything that comes in in a day. You know, within that day, um, 
I mean, I guess some people would let it sit longer than that, but for me, I like to try to, you know, give customers an answer, you know, with, within 24 hours, if not sooner. Yeah. 24 hours is definitely the outside of that, that comfort limit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Generally for us, it's maybe five or six tops. If I have to, you know, if they come in while I'm asleep, <laughs> otherwise it's just a couple hours may, or maybe even, you know, a couple of minutes, uh, if it's during my work hours. Yeah. It's not bad at all. I, at the end of the day, you've got pretty much everything cleaned up, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Or if maybe not cleaned up, at least called up to, yeah, people answered and that kind of thing. Right. Um, just this this idea of hire early, you end up with people sitting around twiddling their thumbs. Yeah, and it seems like that's a lot of wasted uh, money you could be using on possibly other things, you know, as in developing your company, maybe not, instead of uh, just paying employees that aren't doing anything. Pay your reps more. Yeah. <laughs> I am still late. I guess it's because I'm in the customer support role and that kind of thing. I'm a huge advocate of of pay your support person like you would a programmer, you know? I wish that were the case <laughs> in, in many cases. Yeah, companies are getting better about it. Um there's still some out there that, you know, I was talking to a lady the other day from a, a support team and she was talking about they were having lots of turnover and they were having to, well, kind of bringing it to this article, they were having to hire uh, early because they knew people were going to leave. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, well, how much are you paying your people? And she said $8 an hour. And I was like, well, there's your problem. Wow. Yeah, that, I couldn't do that. Yeah. I, how do you expect people to have an actual career and to be a professional in the support world if you're giving them something that, McDonald's Just, doesn't even pay eight dollars now. Right, right. So, I, I can totally get kind of where he's coming from with the, the hire early and that kind of thing. But it's just one of those when, it, when especially when you're talking about SaaS software, uh, SaaS apps and that kind of thing, uh, you just don't need to until it hurts. Yeah, know? I agree. Definitely agree. That's my two cents. <laughs> I'll uh, I'll chip in two more. So there's four. <laughs> And by tomorrow, the economy will have turned that four cents into like three and a half. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> and that's it for this show. Thanks, Chase, for uh, sticking around for another one. Absolutely. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, like I said, if uh, the new shows weren't your thing, that's fine. Next week, we'll be back with uh, a couple of great interviews. Um, as always, let us know what you thought of the episode. Hit me up. We're Twitter, at Support Ops. You can do the email route, uh, show at supportops.co. The show notes with today's links are over at supportops.co forward slash podcast. And that's it. I'm Chase. And until we talk again, have an awesome week.